The following conversation contains strong language and subjects of a mature nature. Hello and welcome to Me The Stars, the podcast where each week I look Anthony delve deeper into the career, life and mental health of the stars. This week on the first episode of 2021, I'm joined by actress and stand-up comedian Katarina Robinson. She's been making waves on social media with her hilarious skits, spoofs, sketches and all sorts of funny posts. I've met many rising stars within entertainment, but I genuinely think you're going to be seeing a whole lot more of Katarina on your screens in the next few years. So please welcome to the show, Katarina Robinson. Katarina, welcome to Meet the Stars podcast. I'm so happy you're a guest. Now, we've spoken a little bit in the past in some capacity on one of my other podcasts called The Comedian's Outlook. Now, this is going out to a different audience, so I'd love to start from the beginning. You started your creative life as an actress, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I um, I trained at drama school. I did three years there. Um, and then literally after drama school, I started auditioning, um, went with an agent. And then it just kind of got to a point where... I wasn't really getting many acting jobs and it was just a bit slow. I didn't really know what to do with myself because I still knew that I wanted to perform and act. And then I just kind of thought about it and I thought, well, what do I actually want out of acting? Do I want to be in a period drama? Do I want to be in a sitcom? And I always felt more passionate about the kind of comedy route. So I just thought, well, how can I how can I get a comedy role in acting? Like what would be the right thing to do? And I thought, oh, well, maybe if I tried stand-up comedy, that would give me a bit more of a niche and would lead me that way. So yeah, that's how I um, just started doing stand-up and it's definitely helped. I mean, it's definitely led me more down that route, which is what I want to do. How old were you when you started doing stand-up? How old was I? So I started two years ago now. Yeah, so I've been doing it for about two years, maybe slightly longer, maybe two and a half, but yeah, around that. So with your with your acting, um, did you predominantly learn theatre acting or, or was it also film acting? It was mainly theatre, but then we did do um, like um, camera lessons, TV and film. So we kind of cu- covered all aspects, but a lot of it was more theatre, improvisation, Shakespeare, um, all of that stuff, really. But I was on a straight acting course, so not musical theatre. So when you're on a straight acting course, you're just learning pure acting. We did do like singing and dancing, but it was more for actors. So a lot of running around, <laughs> being a tree, <laughs> um, waving your hands around, but not like a proper learning a street dance or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love that. It's, um, I, I think a lot of the, my favourite bits about doing acting and, and the the, uh, the workshops you do were, was actually a lot of the sort of the mindfulness stuff, that, you know, the stuff where you get yourself in a state of calm. Mm, definitely. A lot of acting is script work and learning how to portray something that somebody else had written Mm, yeah what what challenges did you find when you went into stand-up comedy I think with stand-up comedy is because it's more coming from you and it's not like it's I mean obviously with stand-up obviously you do preparation and you do prepare a set but it's not like performing a monologue like when you're doing acting you've learned the monologue you know you kind of know the the way the way you're going to say it and the pronunciation and stuff like that where stand-up is a lot more free and you don't know what's going to happen either I mean you might be on stage and someone might shout something and then you have to you know quickly think on your feet so it's definitely 
completely different from performing a monologue because a monologue's a bit more planned and you sort of know what you're going to do with it I guess one of the things that you with with stand-up comedy you you know in the moment you perform in front of your peers or other comedians or in a live setting whereas when you're doing acting Mm. it's very much in a closed environment with other actors and in like a workshop sort of environment yeah and and you have so much more you know rehearsal before you go up on stage and deliver something to you know fully formed to an audience did you find that that side difficult trying to you know, trying to rehearse your your stand-up comedy or or get it right. Yeah, definitely. I think because it's it's just a different it's a different vibe. Like when you're doing stand-up, I mean, you can rehe- like you can go over it and you can go over your set, but you still don't really know how it's going to turn out on the day because you don't know what sort of audience you're going to get. You don't know if they're going to like the kind of humor that you think is funny. So, I think that's more the scary part I think with acting because you're with other actors and like like you said like in a workshop environment you know it's gonna pretty much go down well like you're not trying to get a gag in or trying to get a laugh like as you know that sort of thing is is probably easier I guess with stand-up is a bit more the unexpected and the unknown yeah for sure when did you realize you were funny <laughs> you know what like I so I mean I did a lot of like comedy roles in acting and obviously people would you know people would laugh and think it's funny and I thought oh okay but then obviously that's something that someone else had written it's not something that had come from me and then once I left drama school I kind of I went on like a string of bad dates (laughs) just going on really like just not good dates basically and then one of my friends said to me oh you should write about this like all these dates you've been on are just really funny like you should yeah write about your sadness like kind of like what Adele's done (laughs) but in comedy and I was like oh okay maybe I should give that a go and then when I started writing about all my dates I thought oh these are actually like really funny but then when I actually told people I wanted to do stand-up comedy a lot of people were like really like you're not no why why would you want to do that (laughs) because like naturally like well because naturally I'm actually quite shy really I don't think I'm like the loudest person in the room but when I'm performing like doing acting or or stand-up I am very confident, but then in general day-to-day life, I don't think I'm that loud or I don't even think I'm that funny, to be honest. (laughs) I kind of just get on with my own thing. But then when I'm performing, it kind of just switches on. So it's like a, it's kind of like my alter ego, I guess. Yeah, sure. The the, the person you want to be in your daily life, but the person that only comes out in a, in, in a a comedy show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In a performance sense. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have any, any female comedy role models before you started? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Catherine Ryan. I love Louisa Omelan. I think she's great. Um, Catherine Ryan's stuff, I just think is amazing. I mean, I watched her show recently, The Duchess, and that's the sort of goal. I mean, I would love for myself to have my own like Netflix series. That's comedy that I've written, performed myself. Like that would be the, the ultimate dream. Um, but I love her stuff. I think it's just really empowering and out there and she just doesn't give a fuck what she's saying. And I love that. I love that about her. And then Louisa Omelan, I actually saw performer Edinburgh Fringe. I saw her last year, but I liked her work from before that anyway. And her show that she did at Edinburgh Fringe was amazing, like really commanded the stage, just 
you know, just gave it to us, wasn't shy, didn't, and it's, and it's sassy and girly and I, I like that kind of thing. So, yeah. Did you have any fears about going into quite a male-dominated place, especially when you hear stories of, of promoters, um, you know, abusing their position and things like that? Yeah, definitely. I think it can be quite intimidating, I think, as a female comedian, especially like when I kind of first started a lot of gigs, what I was doing, I was on a probably like a more male dominated lineup, like it'd be me, maybe two other girls and then the rest all men. And that can be quite intimidating, I guess. But um, I think, I don't know, since I um, continue doing stand up, I did a lot of like all female nights. I did funny women. I did a gig last year at um it was at the rose theater in kingston and that was all women gig and so i've been kind of mixing it up really i've been doing some all female nights some nights that are mixed and i think that um i think that helps because then you get to meet other female comedians and share experiences and yeah i think that definitely helps and how important is it for you to take the piss out of stereotypes yeah, very important. I mean, I I think even myself, I think I'm a bit of a stereotype. So I think it's important to also take the piss out of yourself as well. Like, you know, a lot of the things that I do, I mean, I'm, I, I love using social media. I love Instagram and being posy and taking pictures of myself. That's a kind of a bit of a stereotype. So I think it's important that I kind of take the piss out of that and not take that seriously. Or even guys I meet, like when I talk about my dating, I might meet you know, a typical Essex boy who's a bit of a lad and like, like that's, you know, good to take the piss out of or I don't know, someone who's very RP and very posh and yeah, I think it's important to not take those things too seriously. And I have so much more to ask you about on Stereotypes, um, specifically about your, you know, your partnership with Kat, uh, Kat Ronson. Yeah. But I, I, don't want, I don't want to go into that just yet because I think that's a little bit too too premature um, right. there's, there's so much there to talk about and i look forward to getting to that in just a bit well one of the things i noticed about your or at least how it appears in in your career is is that you you appear to have been successful a lot quicker than a lot of other people in comedy you know they, they speak of people in comedy or the the um the dinosaurs in comedy speak of this 10-year apprenticeship that yeah weird arbitrary number that we we have to have done it for this amount of time you got an agent well you got an agent early on as an actress and obviously that's carried through now you've got an agent now and that's that's something that can take years for some comics to to achieve why do you think that is I think because as well like with comedy I mean I'm definitely not trying to take a shortcut or anything like that I mean I work really hard at everything that I do but I have also become quite business-minded from doing acting for such a long time and from getting rejected from so many different roles. It's almost forced me to be quite pushy and quite business-minded in the way I think. I think it's it's a shame sometimes when you're such a creative, talented person. Like I meet so many talented people who are, who are amazing at what they do, but because they're not business-minded, they sometimes don't get the opportunities that they deserve because they're not pushing themselves enough in that direction. Like sometimes I'll, I'll write to promoters who I know probably don't think I'm good enough for their gigs. Like I probably, I know in my head, they probably don't think I'm maybe experienced enough, but I think, well, why not? Why shouldn't I just try and, and see what they think? Why can't I just, you know, send them my stand up link and see if they think it's any good. Like if you don't push yourself, then 
you're not going to get those opportunities. So I think I've had to, yeah, force myself to be quite business minded and push myself into things that maybe I'm not qualified enough to do yet, but you don't know. They might think that your set is fantastic. They might think you're really funny. So I think you just got to go for it, really. Say yes now and learn how to do it later. (laughs) Well, just say, I mean, if if it's an amazing opportunity and it's being presented to you, then why would you not? Why wouldn't you say yes? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to force myself into something I know I definitely can't do. But um, yeah, I think from acting, just the amount of rejection I've had, and I've been doing that since I was 16, and now I'm 27. So I think I sort of learned from that to then when, when I started doing comedy to be a bit more pushy and not just be like, oh, okay, they said no, I'll... I'll leave that one. Like think, okay, well, what's another way around? What's another, who else might, might want to see me perform? So, yeah. How important has social media been for your success? Oh, massively important. I mean, I promote, I use my social media for a lot of different things. My comedy sketches quite a lot, acting, um, gigs, anything really. I mean, if I've got something exciting coming up, then social media is a free way of promoting yourself without having to pay anyone. So I think it's really important. Um, I've actually met quite a few people through comedy, through social media, and actually my comedy partner who you wanted to speak about, I met her through social media. I didn't even meet her in person. Um, So if I didn't have Facebook or if I didn't have Instagram, I probably wouldn't have not met her. (laughs) So I think it's been really important for me. Yeah. How did that partnership come about? So she um, put a post on Facebook. There's this group, um, well, there was this group, I don't actually know if it's still about anymore, called Bossy um, for female creatives. So it was purposely just a female group for female actors, comedians, um, artists, whoever, and you could post a job in there or if you needed help with something. It was a really good group. I don't actually know if it's still going on anymore but um but anyway she put a post up saying that she wanted to do a comedy show with uh three other female comedians like a stand-up show and she was looking for people and she just said just comment below if you're sort of interested in collaborating and I saw her pop up and I saw that her name was Kat Ronson and I thought oh I'm Katarina Robinson (laughs) like that's so weird that we've got a similar name And I just left a comment and then she sent me a message on Facebook and said, oh, you know, I've checked out some of your stuff. I really like it. Um, Should we have a call together and just, you know, chat a bit more? And then we end up having a, I think, a Skype call or something with each other. And then she invited me to a poetry night she was doing. She does spoken word stuff. And then we met and we just got chatting and that was it really and out of that you started doing sketches with yeah one of the things that became particularly successful is the cat and cat comedy with the lads you did the the lads sketches Mm. um tell us a bit about that well we'd been doing sketches um so we did sketches all last year and then we did a show together as well at the king's head for camden fringe um together last year as well and then obviously it got to this year and we were planning to go to edinburgh Um, but obviously Edinburgh Fringe got cancelled and we just were sort of thinking well what should we do with ourselves like there's nothing to do we're in lockdown and we wanted to create a sketch that just wasn't too girly or too pretty because a lot of our sketches in the past were quite 
just quite girly and a bit sassy and we thought it'd be good to do something that's just not reliant on that just something really stripped back really silly and I was saying about I wanted to do like a lads on tour sketch about lads just being dumb like doing challenges and being stupid and then she um did a car um did this character called Dave um who actually appeared in a sketch we did last year about female comedians and about men not really understanding certain female comedians and things that they say on stage. So she already had this Dave character and I was like, okay, well maybe if you used him and then I'll come up with like a friend that he can have. And then I came up with this character called Charlie, who's his kind of his dumb best mate basically. Um, And yeah, we just sort of rolled with that idea. We sent a few voice notes to each other over WhatsApp about um, what we kind of want to do with it. And then I went to hers. We literally set up an iPad and a tripod. It was very rogue and bootleg. Like it was (laughs) not really proper or anything like that. And um, we just started filming and just making stuff and we did all these challenges about who's the biggest lad so we did like a chick like eating hot wings challenge and then who's got the biggest dick challenge and then just and then it was just a series of of little challenges and yeah that's pretty much um how we how we um created it so what was the inspiration behind it well like i said we kind of wanted to do something that just wasn't too girly or too sassy like we wanted to do something that's just not reliant on on any of that something that's really silly funny humor I think because obviously like with coronavirus and all that going on we just want we didn't want to do anything about coronavirus we just wanted something really just silly that people that that people do think is that people think is funny and that people can relate to in a sense but it just doesn't mean anything it's not it's, it's not political, it's not racial, it's not any of that. It's just silly, simple humour, basically. <laughs> and, yeah, I think we just, that was the kind of idea behind it. And then I really wanted to do something where we played boys. And because Kat's kind of played boys a little bit in the past in some of our previous sketches, we sort of linked the two together. And we thought, oh, well, let's let's be boys. Like, let's explore male human um what's the word male um personalities and what men do and yeah it was fun it was really fun just being a guy like obviously doing a bit of research as well (laughs) how biographical was it how many how many of the personality traits were of people you've met quite a few to be honest I mean we sort of looked at obviously guys we dated in the past and things that men have said to us as well like on Instagram like we've we've both spoken about how we've both had messages on Instagram you know saying stuff like oh I really want to take you out and like oh send me a nude and like things like that so we kind of used all those sort of messages and then applied it to the kind of lad's character and then all the sort of male hierarchy thing about who's the biggest lad oh like if if you've got a bigger if you've got a bigger dick then you're like top dog or oh if you can eat more hot wings than me then it means you're top dog like it's all (laughs) it's all really dumb but it's like that kind of male competitiveness uh that we wanted to explore as well 
I mean, there's a reason there was a song called Vindaloo, <laughs> you know, and it also working in the same beat as England as well. <laughs> um, what's quite interesting about male stereotype is that men seem to be the only group of people that actively embody their stereotype. Yeah, yeah, very true, actually. It's really mm. strange because a lot of other groups of people do everything that they can to avoid it. Mm. It took me as a man quite a long time to sort of shake off that and just be happy being me and and being happy crying and stuff. And now I'm actually quite proud of that. But before, you'd, it'd be something you were taught to be a, a ashamed of. Yeah, because um, we've... Um... Since doing the the mini series of of lads, like the little sketches that we made, we've developed it into a a full length series. And through doing that, obviously, we added a lot more footage and we filmed like a heck of a lot more because it's now a series. But from doing that, a lot of the stuff that like the arguments that they both have and like we kind of figured out through the whole series like we know they're not lads like they're not they're not cool guys at all they're <laughs> kind of a bit nerdy really but they've got this thing of having like trying to be a lad like because they think that's the cool way to be but you kind of find out through the series that they're actually just silly boys really like they're not they're not like these lads that they say they are and it kind of it kind of goes back to what you say about being happy within yourself and not trying to be something that maybe you're not so yeah it's interesting because you you didn't set out to make a statement as such no but in some ways it naturally will because often in the past within especially within comedy mm. you've always seen men portraying women mm. and very very rarely seeing women portraying men and I think it's quite quite current yeah definitely um because like you said we didn't really set out to make any sort of statement about it and it never came from a place of man hating or anything like that like we're both definitely very pro man <laughs> but we just like <laughs> we're not yeah we're not like that at all it was just a, a place of wanting to do something a bit different and um yeah just a bit silly and nothing nothing too serious i guess definitely not and definitely not and and the I mean, another another one of your videos I really also loved was your depression one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that went that went viral. Yeah, I got some really good views on it, which I was really happy about. Because again, I just made that in lockdown. Like, I was just feeling lonely and <laughs> a bit unwanted, and I was like, "Oh, I've got depression," <laughs> and then I just made a video on it. It wasn't. Um, yeah, there wasn't really any, again, much thought behind it. And then I have this, um, I bought this mug, uh, this tea mug with a big aubergine on it. Um, I got it ages ago because I thought, oh, it could be quite funny for stand up, like to bring it to my gigs because you always see comedians on stage, like with their bottle of water or whatever. And they sometimes take a sip of their water. And I thought, oh, maybe if I bring a mug, <laughs> it could be like a funny little prop or something. So I kind of bought it for that. And then when I did that sketch I was like oh I have to use that because it's got a big aubergine on it it's just quite funny like it's become a good little prop now I seem to I just use it for everything now <laughs> how did the aubergine thing come about who's who's how did that even become the the symbol of dick I don't even know I think the only reason I knew is because when people send whatsapp messages and things like that or like I've had it met from men sometimes send me a WhatsApp and they'll put the aubergine emoji or, or my friends will send it to me. Like, you know, did you get aubergine last night? Like <laughs> with the, 
with the emoji. Yeah, I did with the massacre. It's bloody lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm a Greek Cypriot. Jesus Christ. Yeah, God, don't take it the other way. But um, yeah, so that was the only reason like I knew about it. It wasn't because I invented it or anything like that. It was just I, I knew about it from, I guess, through social media. There's no way we can look at an aubergine in the same way as we used to before. I can't look at a peach anymore in the same way as I used to be able to. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's been taken another way now as well. So, oh dear. There's no more fruit left. There's going to be nothing left. I know. People are taking it the wrong way. But um, yeah, I've gone a bit mental on it though, that whole aubergine thing now. Because I've ordered a, um, I got a little Christmas decoration for my tree. That's a big purple sparkly aubergine. So I can't wait to put that up. That's going to be fun. <laughs> Was there a Christmas card thing you had as well with an aubergine on it? No, it's a uh, some Christmas wrapping paper I bought. Right. Yeah, I've, just, I've gone a bit mental on the idea, but I thought it could be funny for like a Christmas sketch because I, I definitely want to do like a little Christmas sketch and I thought that could be quite funny. So I've just collected all... Catherine's got loads of aubergine going down right now. I've got, yeah, I've got all these aubergine <laughs> props. What's, what, what's weird is that people get the wrong idea and think you're like properly active. And yeah. Just just because you're just surrounded by aubergines. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not. I'm complete opposite, actually. <laughs> you should be really careful. You should be really careful with that because, I mean, I'm doing the radio and, and podcast and stuff. I've started being sent like free stuff i'll send some free chilies but you might start getting sent a ton of aubergines yeah i don't even like aubergines either it's not my choice of controversial yeah it's not even my choice no i would i definitely i'd prefer a courgette if i was gonna you know if it was going to be in that similar shape then yeah i'm more of a courgette person perhaps be okay you've learned something new There you go. Any any willing courgettes out there? Yeah, send me a courgette. I'd love that. It'd be great. So, with comedy can be quite lonely and, and very autonomous in the sense that you have a say on everything. Yeah. How have you found collaborating and writing something with somebody else? You know what? I think because with me, when I perform with Kat, um, we don't actually like physically write anything. We don't sit down and write a script or, or anything like that. All our work is improvised so when we do meet up we'll have like ideas of what we want to do and we'll have maybe a little a little list of what we want to do for the day but then all the scripts and all the things that we're saying is just all completely improvised so we never actually sit down and physically write some of the stuff that I do myself on my own I'll write but when I work with Kat um, we actually just improvise everything and just bounce off each other we kind of just put the camera on and see what happens and then we'll cut out all the bullshit that doesn't really make any sense and we'll just keep the bits in that are really funny or we'll reshoot bits that we've corpsed or, you know, laughed a bit too much. So, yeah. Do you do you two do the editing yourselves or did you in the past? Um, so for when we do our, yeah, mini sketches, like the small one-minute ones or even when we did... Um, the sketches for lads we edited it all ourselves we didn't have anyone involved but for the series obviously we've had to hire like a video editor and and do it all like that but our sketches that we used to do in the past we used to just do ourselves um just kind of learned really how to do it and yeah it, it works I mean for Instagram and for things like that I think it's fine but if you're kind of elevating it a bit more than that then yeah it's good to get someone involved who knows what they're doing how did it get picked up to become a miniseries? 
So what we've done basically is we, yeah, we did the mini sketches of lads and then, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we got approached um, by a company who said, oh, have you actually thought about putting it into a full length series? And we were kind of umming and ahhing about it. And we thought, well, yeah, why not? Why don't we make it into a full length series? So that's what we've done. And then it's kind of still all in the editing process at the moment, but it's five episodes all around 20 to 25 minutes. And yeah, I mean, it's all, all kind of cooking away at the moment. It's still not like finished, but um, it's almost done because um, the editing has taken quite a long time, but the actual filming didn't, didn't really take that long. It was about a week, a week of filming. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then that was all quite, quite smooth it's just been the the editing has been quite long so has it been picked up by a tv channel or yeah it's been picked up by a tv platform so i can't really say too much about it until it's actually released but yeah a tv platform so well if anyone is um hungry to to see what it could be about then Go and check out your back catalogue of of the actual miniseries you did. Yeah, it's it's very along the lines of that. Actually, some of the things that was in the miniseries we've put into the the main series. We've just reshot it, and obviously, on a professional camera and everything, it's not on an iPad anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's all along those lines, pretty much. How different did it feel to to have a crew there filming it rather than just a, a tripod and a and an iPad? It did, yeah, it, it did feel different. Like, I think the actual acting, though, I mean, the improvising and stuff that we do, that was all pretty much quite fluid. But um, we have found it quite hard having a crew and a, a video editor because now we're relying on other people to finish it, to do it the way we like it. Whereas when it was just me and Kat, it was quite simple because we filmed it, we edited it, like we had full control of it. But because we have now other people involved, obviously there's a lot of like waiting around and we, we're both quite impatient people. So it has been quite hard. Um, and from that sense, I guess, having other people involved, not because it hasn't been enjoyable. It's just the more the waiting around and the, you know, people maybe not doing something to the style that maybe you want it. So yeah, that's been quite hard. That's what it will be like as you progress and, and become more successful. And I'm learning that lesson myself at the moment with mm. with that. Even like with this podcast, for example, you know, the you know, everything I've ever done has always been produced by myself mm-hmm. and been edited by myself and controlled by myself. Yeah. And now and now I'm in a position like yourself where you're you're at that stage now and it and it is it is almost a testament to your success and and how far you've come, though, because if everything has been self-produced or self-created and now you have a team of people, you just have to trust the process. You have to trust that Definitely. any little stumbles or anything about, you know, things that weren't great, that they'll have a good judgment on it. And in some ways, stuff that you'd probably usually cut is actually fine, mm. would make it in because somebody else looks at it from a different, fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're actually, well, we've got a day next week where we're sitting down with the with an editor to just go through some of the last bits of footage. So we think that's going to be quite important. I, I think it's just important to sit down with someone and actually look through it all together. We have in the past sometimes emailed footage to people and just done the whole emailing back and forth but it's really hard to explain to someone over email it's like right I want this bit cut here and I want that bit cut there like it's it's hard it's hard doing it over over email I think it's it's good to actually sit with someone and go through it properly 
So are you prepared for, so if it is successful, are you, are you mentally prepared for other opportunities and, and, and things that could, could arise um, on the back of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, me and Kat were saying about that we'd love to do a series two because how we've done series one, it has just been me and her. There's no other characters. It's all rely on, on us. So if we're not funny, then the series won't be very funny because <laughs> it's just us two. But we were saying when we, can do a series two like if we did do one and it did get commissioned for a series two then we could actually hire other actors and have a bit more of a budget like how we've done this has been from hardly any money whatsoever so from doing a series two we'd have yeah a proper budget be able to hire people get some other characters involved and I think that would be really exciting so yeah fingers crossed really so it's, it's going to be a mockumentary yeah what was the what was the reason behind that? Because it it was a very new thing a long time ago. And now it seems to be quite a popular thing to do mm. within it. Um, what was the reason behind it being a mockumentary and breaking that that fourth wall essentially? Well, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of influences from watching like people just do nothing, um, that kind of style, and then. I was watching Car Share actually the other day, even though that's not a mockumentary, but I, I recently found out that whole series was improvised as well. So I was like, oh, okay, that's quite interesting because that's how me and Kat work. And then, yeah, from watching people just do nothing and seeing how they've done theirs as a sort of mockumentary, and it's very similar style, like the kind of grey council estate sort of looking series, being very raw and stripped back. We kind of thought, yeah, okay, it's quite it's quite along those lines, apart from obviously we're girls playing boys. So we sort of thought, oh, well, maybe we should go down the whole mockumentary sort of route. And then it sort of just happens. We were like, you know, why? We kind of thought about it and thought, well, why do these boys have a series? Why are they here? And we thought it could be funny that they've they've just become these like YouTube sensations and that's why they have a camera crew like following them around. (laughs) And then that's, that's sort of how the series starts really. We're basically explaining how we've become like these YouTube sensations. And now we've got a, a crew and yeah. And then it just sort of follows them around. And we also fought for like logistics as well. It's actually kind of easier doing it like that because the filming can be a little bit messy and a bit, it doesn't need to look really slick and pristine. Like I think with a mockumentary, because you're following someone around, it is, I don't know, I guess a bit easier in that sense. So we just thought logistically it would kind of work better, better at being that way. It's a very interesting contrast to have the, the sort of farcical, you know, silliness to it mixed with that very realistic English kind of documentary feel where it's it's very realistic, but at the same time, you've got these over-exaggerated characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was quite funny, actually, because we did some um, days on location and you would just think people would look, but people, I think people gen- genuinely thought we were boys. Like, we, <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was one point when we, we both got in a cab um, like and we were both still wearing our wigs and the the kind of boy outfits and the cab driver said nothing literally he was chatting to us and asking us how our day has been and everything but what <laughs> like I was like does my hair really look like this like do you genuinely think this is my hair like <laughs> just... I mean that wig 
that wig of yours i mean where did you get that i got it on um it was just on amazon i think it was like four pounds five pounds like the cheapest thing but it just worked really (laughs) it's just quite funny though that people can actually think that's my hair and i'm like are you you serious (laughs) really so But um, it's interesting because me and Kat were actually saying and from people that I've, I've spoken to as well, they were saying from from watching it, like as you watch it more and more, you just you just start to believe that we're boys. Like you kind of just take it on, really, which is good. So because um, at first. That's a, a testament to your acting, I guess. Yeah, because at first we were worried. We thought, oh, are people actually going to believe that we're boys? But then as you sort of watch it and it goes on, you just kind of get used to it. It's sort of it's weird. You just are watching it and you're like oh okay yeah yeah I get it like <laughs> it's, it's random but um it works so with Instagram being a very visual tool and something that's highly dependent on how people look and how pretty we look and how good we look mm. um as we post pictures did it feel like a bit of a risk to play this lower status to play something that isn't very flattering and something that goes almost opposite to what your image propels on social media. Yeah, um, I think I was quite excited about it, to be honest, because I think how my how my Instagram is and how how I sort of portray myself on on there, I think might seem I don't know, might might come across to people that maybe I'm a bit into myself, maybe I'm a bit vain and <laughs> I don't know I think it, it can ha- maybe have that perception I guess to people so I was actually quite excited to put the lad stuff up because I just wanted to show that I yeah I can I can make comedy that's not reliant on my look or ha- how I'm how I'm dressed like I, c- I can do that and I was quite excited actually to sort of share share that and just something that's a different side to me I guess and something that's not pretty not girly so yeah and I don't think it's hindered me in any way I think it's actually um I think it's actually made people maybe warm to me a bit more which is nice so um yeah oh it wasn't suggesting anything by the way oh no no Katrina I was just just it was just it's just like I mean social media is quite a narcissistic vain thing anyway we're all we all have an element of that yeah we ever post on 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 any sort of social media platform Mm is because we want people to see it and because we want somebody to mm. react to it, I guess. So there has, there's, none of us can ever get away from that, regardless of what you look like or, or what you think you look like. So, no, I just, it was just interesting because a lot of work for women in the industry can be very much dependent on how you look or how you present yourself. Mm. And, and I just thought it was quite refreshing to see you put two fingers up to that and say, no, I'm going to do something that I feel is right and real and, and something that I want to do creatively, not because I'm being pressured or managed or steered in, in a certain direction. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think the kind of where it, I guess, sort of came from is like, I do, I know, like, I know my Instagram can be a little bit like that. Like, I am a very girly girl naturally. And I think... From an outsider's point of view, if you go on a girl's Instagram and they're wearing like a sexy dress and maybe they've got a picture of them in a bikini and then their next photo is a selfie, like I think it just does get that perception a little bit. And it's, it is a bit narrow minded, I guess, to think that way. But um, I think that's why I was really excited to do lads and just do something like that's not 
not like me at all. So <laughs> it, it was uh, it was exciting for me to do that. Have you had any men or boys have a go at you about it? No, not at all. Actually, I did actually um, expect more of a, more of a reaction like that. But I think because when you actually watch the the sketches, they're not really targeting men in any way. I don't think we're we're saying we hate men and men are shit and like we're not we're not we're not saying that at all i think she made it very clear very clear there lads um earlier on that she's she's pro man <laughs> yeah we're pro man we're pro man but yeah i just think it's not it's not targeting anyone in particular so i i would have been quite surprised if it did if it did get that sort of reaction to be honest because it's not um it's just lad banter, lad humour. And I think it's okay for like, you know, like programmes like the Inbetweeners and stuff like that. They're kind of taking the piss out of the whole lad humour and, you know, being a guy. And I think, well, if they can do that, then why is it not okay for a girl to want to do that? And But just put on a wig. Like, it doesn't really make any sort of dig, I don't think. So, yeah. No, definitely not. I think it's great. I, I love it. I really love it. And I think... I think most men out there probably would actually find it really funny because they would, like you said earlier, it, it is relatable. And and we've all, I mean, I still occasionally, depending on who I'm talking to, I have to put myself into that mode sometimes, especially when football comes up. Football's my least favourite subject that ever comes up in anything <laughs> because everyone, everyone thinks they know better than the other person they're talking to. And no one ever can ever get a word in edgeways. And, but you find yourself playing up to it because you have to just to, just to survive yeah. in, in that particular environment and get get through it. I think it's just adapting yourself, isn't it, to certain situations because I have a lot of um, friends who are all from kind of different backgrounds. Like I have a lot of friends who are, you know, glamour models and then I have friends who are lawyers and got very serious careers. And I do find myself, like, depending on which group I'm with or which group I hang out with, I sort of adapt myself a little bit to kind of – be in that situation I guess like if I know I'm going out with all my kind of serious kind of lawyer friends then yeah maybe I'll I'll want to talk about more intellectual things and be a bit more reserved I guess how I am but then if I'm going out with my friends who are all glam models and want to party and whatever then I, I know I'll definitely take them to somewhere that's a bit flashy and a bit like dressy and girly and you kind of I don't know I guess you just adapt yourself to like certain situations and it's like because you have different aspects of your personality as well I guess like sometimes I want to be really quiet and reserved and then sometimes I want to be really loud and you know partying so it's just yeah, yeah adapting yourself to different different people you're with I guess listener by, by the time you're hearing this let's hope we're all having some massive rave in some dirty club yes definitely so the other thing you guys have got coming up uh, 8th and the 9th of April is the Whoring 20 tell us a little bit about that yes um so we basically last year um beginning of January <laughs> me and Kat were discussing about doing Edinburgh Fringe um we wanted to do a show together and yeah, we just started kind of brainstorming ideas of what we wanted to do. And then we could do something about being in 2020. And then we came up with the whole whoring twenties idea and we thought, okay, that's perfect. Cause we're both in our twenties. It's 2020. We're both whores. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like it works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like, Oh, that's, that's a great idea. Um, and then 
yeah we started rehearsing for it and everything um we did our trailer for it we did a poster it was all pretty much ready to go and it was supposed to be on it's actually been moved three times now I think it was supposed to be on end of August and then that got moved to October and then from October it's now moved to April so it's been moved three times now um but we were really ready to do it actually in October so it was a shame that it um got postponed but yeah we're excited to do it. Working on your own stuff and comedy things you you're on your own on stage you have no crutch yeah. How much of sharing a stage with somebody else do you think is a crutch on stage? How much do you rely on them? And do you think there's something that that prevents you from doing a good performance? Or do you think it's something that drives great performance? I think, I think it depends who you're working with, to be honest. Like if they get your, like with me and Kat, because we kind of bounce off each other and I sort of know how she works now. Like I, I sort of know her sort of mindset I guess and I feel like she knows how I work now so it's sort of I think it will propel us when we actually get to do our show I mean this will be the first time we've actually shared a stage together so it could go two ways it could (laughs) could not go very well but um I think it will because we sort of we get each other's energy and also for the show a lot of the stuff that we're going to do is um it's kind of split stand up and split sketch. So the stand up mm. that we do is obviously going to be our, our own set. So it's not like we're going to do a stand up set together, but then the sketch stuff is going to be obviously joint and everything else. So I think it would, it would work fine because that's what we've always done anyway. We've always done sketches together, but then we've always done our, um, our stand up separately. So yeah, I think it, it probably would propel you if, if, as long as you're working with the right person and they sort of get get how you are and how you work as a person, then, yeah, I think it would elevate you. Amazing. We spoke earlier in the episode about rejection. Yeah. And the you have obviously faced a lot of it in, in acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. And, <laughs> okay, sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. You're like, yeah, a lot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, thanks for reminding me. I've, I've only just gotten over it over the last. It's hour. all right. Don't worry. <laughs> um, with the the full series of lads coming out soon, mm-hmm. whilst that will open many doors, is one of those things that will also open you up to a lot more rejection. Mm. How do you prepare yourself for that, and how much do you think you'd need to support each other to deal with that rejection if? it comes hopefully it doesn't yeah I think the beauty of having someone else is that we do actually have each other so it's not me just going into something completely on my own I mean projection on your own is is bad enough Um, but having obviously someone else there I think it's it's nice it's nice to have someone by your side and I think that all kind of get us through it really that it's not it's not just me being rejected it's also her so we I think that that helps having that kind of person by your side and it's it's normal it's going to happen I mean it happens in acting it will definitely it definitely happens in comedy I've already had some rejection in comedy so it's it's just the the nature of it really I think any job in sort of the entertainment industry you've got to be prepared for rejection and yeah you've just um got to have a thick skin 
have good people around you. Um, I've got a really supportive family that I'm just so grateful for. So I think that's what really helps me anyway when I'm getting rejected is that I know I have people there who, you know, do believe in me and do want me to do well. I think if I was completely on my own, um, like living completely on my own in London and didn't really have anyone sort of around me, then yeah, maybe it would hit me a lot harder. But I do have a good network of people around you. And I, I think that's what's important when dealing with with um, rejection. Yeah. And one of the other things that can happen in, in duos is that audience people and, you know, viewers and, and audience members can favor one person over the other. Yeah. How do you pick each other up when they might have faced rejection on social media or directly from an audience member or, or from somewhere? Well, we've already kind of faced it already and stuff, I guess. Like, not so much as a duo, but I know Kat has sometimes done stand-up sets where it hasn't, you know, maybe gone down very well or received a few nasty comments. And then sort of the same with me. I've done a couple of stand-up sets where, you know, people have said nasty things. And I think it's just sort of, yeah, again, being there for each other, speaking about it. Lift, uplifting each other and just saying like look you're you're amazing and you know that's why I'm in a, in a duo with you <laughs> I mean I wouldn't be in a duo with someone if I didn't think they were very funny or didn't really believe in what they were doing so I guess that's why me and Kat have kind of gravitated towards towards each other not so much I mean, obviously, because we have similar names and we thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> we thought that was a really cool little niche. But, like but, um, <laughs> always leave with a name. Always leave with a name. Always leave with a name. And the then the idea comes later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, regardless of that, like, I wouldn't have worked with her if I thought she was... I don't know, difficult to work with or wasn't very funny. Like, I, I we wouldn't have worked with each other. But because we are quite actually quite different, in our personalities but when we do comedy together we're very similar we both got the same goal so I think that's that's what makes it work and if we do receive backlash or anything we we know we've got each other so I think that's what's important I've asked this question to people before and it's something that I try and employ myself do you do you have to leave your egos at the door when you're when you're working together and you're doing sketch work or improv oh yeah definitely I, I mean the stuff that we get up to is very it's just so stupid. Like you can't be too, you know, you can't bring your ego with you. Definitely when you do, I mean, especially with the lad stuff, like eating hot, hot, spicy chicken wings. Like we actually did cover the chicken wings in really spicy sauce. Like all the reactions that you'll see as well when, when it finally releases is real reactions. Like we were in severe pain and it's like, you can't bring your ego with you when you're doing stuff like that or, or even like other stuff that we've done, like sketches in the park where there's people around and people are looking at you funny, thinking, what the hell are those two girls doing? Like, <laughs> you've just got to roll with it. And I think that's what makes it more fun anyway, because in life, you do sort of walk around a bit with, with your ego, I think, in, in certain situations. But when you're doing comedy and, and, and sketch or, or stand up as well, like you can't you've got to let that go really otherwise people do pick up on it and I think it's important that you yeah it's, it's more fun anyway it's more freeing like not bringing your ego along did you hear that casting directors she is willing to be a stunt person she'll eat hot wings if she has to that's, that's properly <laughs> like method acting right there 
Yeah, happy sweet hot wings. <laughs> have, you, have, have you got a taste for them yet? <laughs> oh, you know what? I don't even like that much spicy food, to be honest. I'm quite, I like a medium, like a medium sort of spice, but not like... Or, but, oregano. Yeah, but not like burning my head off. I mean, we like... You could have just gone with lemon and herb mm. and just acted. <laughs> I mean... No, but we, I, we thought it'd be funny with like real reactions. And God, they were really like, I was like crying at one point. I was like, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> but it was wow. funny footage so we were like we've got we just got to like go like do it it'll be funny <laughs> dynamite literally <laughs> yeah literally yeah i mean i, I, I gave like a, a shout out to an amazing uh, chain just then but i'm not going to mention their name <laughs> um, you'll know who you are definitely so what's next then i know you've obviously got this series coming up and you've got the, the horror in 20s coming up mm. next next year yeah what about for just yourself what sort of things do you want to do just for you well, I am, I've, it's kind of in the process at the moment, but I would like to do my own stand-up show and call it Depression. <laughs> I yeah. basically, because I did the sketch on it and I thought, okay, there's actually a lot of stuff I could do with this. And then I recently, um, yesterday, I did a character comedy workshop on on Zoom because um, I did a um, I did a course quite a while ago now, actually, it was about, well, about two years ago, I did a course with Soho Theatre um, about comedy and stand-up, and it was really good, actually. Um, I know we kind of touched on the whole, like, our workshops and things like that worth it, but I wanted to work with Soho Theatre because I kind of wanted to sort of get in with them, which actually helps because when I did my acting show at Edinburgh, we then got offered a run at Soho Theatre, so it all sort of helped <laughs> doing that. But, um, yeah, anyway, I did a, a Zoom workshop with them yesterday about character comedy, and I sort of spoke about this whole idea that I had about doing a show called Dick Pression. And I said, I have all these, you know, aubergine props. And they kind of said, oh, maybe you could make it into a sort of character comedy show. And yeah, I think it could be really fun, like wearing aubergine earrings or like having this kind of weird character <laughs> that's, you know, haven't had, hasn't had sex for ages and is just talking about how how to how to finally have sex um, and just kind of going through the different stages of like feeling lonely and then going on a date and then trying to get someone's attention through Instagram by posting really sexy pictures and just like really silly stuff that women do do um, and yeah I think that'd be a really fun project and I, I could see it I've got a lot of you know backstory and again like props and things i could use so yeah i think that's kind of my next step on my own your slogan could be will you be my next mistake yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um but i think it, yeah that's kind of my next project that i would like to do on my own yeah that sounds amazing that uh, i'm sure it's going to be great I was, I was trying to think of a play on words with um rejection as well like rediction or something rediction well i've got i've got dick Prived, like that's that's dick one Prived, deprived. Yeah. um i thought of a new one actually for men when you're in pussy poverty so that's the male version pussy poverty i think that's good are we allowed to say that word i don't know if we're allowed to say that yeah i don't see why not i don't know i don't get i don't think that's very it's not offensive to me anyway but <laughs> i thought i thought it was illegal to be a man now yeah <laughs> but um yeah so I've, I've thought of like a male version kind of so i think it could be quite fun you could do your two different characters yourself and charlie yeah i could 
even though like it's weird when I play Charlie, even though it's a lad's thing, he isn't a lad at all. He's like the sweetest boy. <laughs> yeah. He's proper like the sweet one. Cat's more the kind of yeah, hers is more more a lad, I would say. But yeah, Dave's sort of a bit and not Dave, sorry, Charlie's a bit more just Charlie. naive and a bit he's just a really sweet boy are you, are you trying to create your perfect man I by, feel, yeah. by acting out maybe, charlie maybe i have i know i feel like charlie is a bit um i have a therapist you could speak to yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. god imagine if i have done that oh god i don't think i have though because i think i'd want someone a bit more manly i think i've made him a bit a bit of a not a drip he's not a drip he's just a bit of a pussy and a bit yeah i'd want someone a bit more manly so probably not (laughs) (laughs) katrina thank you so much for joining me oh thank you it's been really fun katrina robinson what an amazing conversation that was i wasn't lying she is destined for stardom that's for sure if you'd like to find out more about her or get involved with star events online All of that information is in the show notes. Join me next week when I speak to American actor Jackson Goldberg. Take care, stay safe, and I'll speak to you next week.